Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Very important. He has not changed. He will not change. And we are assured of who Jesus Christ is, that he's not just blown around by doctrines and teachings that people might have about him. We need to go to him and to the word to really know whether what we're hearing, and there are many voices out there, so that we will be solid in Jesus Christ, the unchangeable one. We talked last week about number one of his final instructions, continue in brotherly love, and about honoring marriage, and being content and confident. And now on the second round, we want to talk about remembering our leaders, our teachers, not to be carried away by all kinds of strange teaching, and then sixth, bearing the disgrace he bore. Remember your leaders who spoke to you. How many of you had a teacher or a leader that you remember influenced you in your Christian life? I can remember, I've already mentioned his name a couple times, Dave Whistler. But there was another Dave even before him who was just a new first year Bible college student who happened to visit our church and I was so I, I was probably 10th grade about that time or, and I remember his testimony his name was Dave Biggers anybody heard of him well I haven't seen him since but I'm sure he's still tracking the path to Jesus remember those who spoke the word of God to you and it doesn't have to be that they were eloquent but they also had a life that you wanted to exemplify. And you knew it when you saw it. I want to be like that person. That is what God gifts to us. And even though it's not a written word, it's a demonstrated life of the reality of Jesus Christ changing a person's heart and bringing them to a place of witness, not just in words, but in attitude, in demeanor, in just having that victorious sense that God is in control of your life. You know, your co-workers, whether they're at work or in school, can sense that because that's the nature of the Spirit of God. We have to understand that. We think everything that we see and we touch is tangible. Well, that's not, that's not really true. In the realm of the spiritual, there is tangibility. There is an ability to touch and sense. Not in the physical sense, but by the fact that when you see a Christian, when you see an opportunity to demonstrate Jesus Christ, you don't have to be a preacher, but you need to be instant in season and out of season. That's what God wants for all of us, to be that kind of Christian where we're aware of the world we're living in and that it needs Jesus 
and that you are speaking those words by your life, by your attitude, by your demeanor. Or just a small, insignificant word or help that you've been. And that person picks up on it. What's different about that person? They'll ask themselves. Actually, the word here that he's using for leaders is those who discipled us. That is what we need to consider as as he says, consider the result of their conduct. Actions speak louder than words. They really do. I've seen Christians, both in the workplace as well as other places, and I've been in the same place sometimes myself. When my actions did not measure up with my Christian profession. And we need to be checked about that. We need to come and understand, Jesus, I was not representing you well. Fill me with your spirit and your love for those that I work with. And sometimes what you have to do is go to them and say, I'm sorry. And not just in sumimasen, eh? Sumimasen. No, in actual, please, would you receive my confession that I was not helpful to you or that I was such and such an attitude? That's hard to do sometimes. But sometimes they think it means something to people regarding our testimony. When you make a mistake, admit it. And those teachers that we've had, he says, imitate their faith. The word imitate is, uh, you know what mime is? Mime. Mime is to copycat or to copy someone. And so when you mime, like an actor, it's acting. And he's saying here, imitate. And the same word is to mime. It's to copy someone. Well, who are we copying? Not just somebody off the street or off the computer or some movie. But we're to copy the leaders that God gives in our lives and to begin to live like them. That leads us also into some areas in which we might be uh, taking a chance. Paul said in Galatians 6, 9, If any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. Do you know what that actually means? Accursed? Another word is damned. But do you know what the street language is for that? Go to hell. Go to hell. That person should go to hell. Wow! That is strong. And so, if there is even a chance of teaching the wrong gospel, that makes me fear. I don't want to be accursed. And you don't either. And we need to be careful about our witness and our testimony. And that fear needs to be the fear of God. Because he's the only one that can say, no, I I never knew you. Get away from me. But we want to be those that are close to Jesus and his truth and the gospel. And that's what we need to be careful about our own conduct. 
and our witness and our teaching. Yes, we want to encourage you to witness to your friends and your family. And you don't do it perfectly. No one does that perfectly. But if it's done in faith, God will make fruit of that. Because he gives us his spirit. And we can be witnesses that will impact those that are around us. And that's what we desire here at MCC, isn't it? Those who spoke the word to you, imitate their faith. He also puts out another caution here for us. In his time, the writer of Hebrews, he was not much different than what we are today. There are all kinds of strange teaching. You can find it on the internet. You can find it just by bouncing around to different churches. You might even find it in this church. And if you do, and there are some of you that come to me and talk to me about what I said, and sometimes they've been right. What I have said is a wrong impression or a wrong word that I used. I appreciate that. Please come to me, okay? I give you that permission to come to me and say, what did you mean by that? My wife's about the only one that does that, and I want more of that feedback, okay? One of the things that the early church was involved with, also the Judaizers, was that they were caught up in food fashion. This food is not good, this one is. And they got it out of the Old Testament, but they took it many steps beyond what scripture laid out. Like for instance, one law said that you could only travel a certain distance or do so much work on the Sabbath. And just picking up a a napkin or something like that, you picked up too many of those napkins now and now you're working on Sunday. They got down to the little itty bitty things little tiny things that really did not make a difference. But they were checking everybody out to make sure that they were following the law. That's not the kind of Christianity we want to follow. That the Lord wants us to be embracing the law, but not that the law is controlling and over-controlling the freedom in the Holy Spirit. We want to be careful about that. Some of the believers in the early church who uh, the author of Hebrews is speaking to were not Jews, but they were fellowshipping with Jews. They were from the Gentiles, and they didn't know all the rules of the Jews, and so the Judaizers, we call them, would try to teach them, well, you've got to do this, and you've got to do this, and you've got to do this in order to be really a believer, and it was too much for them. And many of them felt like, wow, I don't know whether I can take this any longer. And the other thing that was happening in this church was that those who had come into freedom in Jesus Christ, their family and their friends would say, you know, I don't see you in in the synagogue any longer. Where have you been? 
Well, I've been with these Christians. Well, no, come back. Come back to the worship of Jehovah. Don't be following this person, Yeshua. And they were trying to get these believers, these new Christian believers, to return to the Jewish faith. And that, according to the apostles and the disciples, they had found the answer in Jesus Christ, in Yeshua. And they weren't about to turn back. But many of them were doubting, well, now we don't see Jesus any longer. He's gone. And so they were confused or they were harassed to the point where they were not really understanding how does this all figure out. And you can imagine, and we should be able to give them benefit of the doubt. If you and I were in that situation, we would probably be confused, standing right halfway between the law and what it meant. And now this person, Jesus, comes He dies, and he's the Lamb of God. Do you really believe that? Have you really embraced him as Yeshua? That he is the one that the prophet spoke about? And so that these people were in transition. And the small struggling church was being harassed by the Judaizers. Come back to the faith. Come back to Judaism. And we see where it is even today, 2,000 years later. They're wanting to build a temple in Jerusalem. That's not where it's at. But there are so many of them who are caught up in this. And that's where their focus is. Jesus helped them. The Apostle James said, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not cause trouble for the Gentiles who are turning to God, instead we should write and tell them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from meat-strangled animals, and from blood. Those four things. That was all the requirement that they were asking of the law. It wasn't all the little tiny things that the Judaizers were trying to place on the church to where this was the test of whether you're a real follower of the true God. And in this, the author is saying, we have an altar. And that altar was which those who serve at the tabernacle have no right to eat. Although the high priest brings the blood of the animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin, the bodies are burned outside the camp. What was happening to these people is that Jesus, having come as the Lamb of God, being declared to be the Lamb of God by John the Baptist, that what was being taught by the new church, the Christian church, was he is the one we have been looking for. He's the one that will bring us to the Father. He came to reveal the Father to us. And all that we need and all that anyone needs for salvation is through Jesus Christ. That's what we're saying. That's what the apostles were saying and that's what we should be preaching and teaching. 
You don't have to add any more. But they were requiring the early Christians who were Jews were saying to the Gentile Christians, these are the only things that you need to observe. And that wasn't for the sake of your health or your religion. It was for the fact that there were things that were in the Old Testament that were applicable, were applied to good, healthy living so that you're not going into all the health food fad that we see today. You know, some of these health food fads, how many have delved into that? How many have tried this out and thought, okay, this will make me genki and this will make me strong and I, I won't have a cold and I'll, I'll just be strong? And How many of you have accepted somebody in your home and now here's a bottle of... Coca-Cola? Okay, you mentioned that. You know what Coca-Cola was in, in its origin? It was a health food tonic. You know that? We had in American history traveling snake oil type people who were going from village to village and town to town selling this product. And you drink this or you eat this and you'll be strong and healthy. And it was Kent who fell to that with, with Coca-Cola. Anyway, those kind of things have been around for hundreds of years. And they're even here in Tokyo. We have a dear lady, a neighbor, who comes to us regularly. We want to see her come to Jesus she wants us to buy her $50 bottle of this kind of prune juice. <laughs> and you know what? We buy it from her, not for our health, but we want a relationship with her. And we, every time she comes, we have an opportunity to share about that. So that's where these people were in the early church. And we haven't changed much from then at all, have we? Although the priest brings the blood of the animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin, the bodies are burned outside the camp. One of the things that we need to understand is this is talking not about Passover or about the offering that are around Passover, but there was another very significant Jewish time of the year and it was called the Day of Atonement. It was different from the Passover and the difference was that with the Day of Atonement the animal that was killed was not eaten. The priest could not eat of that and what this author is saying in Hebrews is, we have an altar that those who serve cannot eat. And that was the offering of the Day of Atonement. And very specifically, we'll go into that just for the next few minutes. What was happening is that the Jewish culture was bringing in 
everything around the Passover. But there was a different part of God's law that they were following, but it didn't have the significance that the Passover had. And that was the Day of Atonement. And I believe that that hindered Israel from spreading around the world and evangelizing about Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. And so that the Day of Atonement was very different. You could not eat of the offering at the Day of Atonement. In fact, what happened was that animal that was killed was taken out and burned outside of the camp and burned in a refuge area. Where was Jesus crucified? Where was Jesus crucified? Outside the camp. It was not in Jerusalem. It was outside of the city. In a place that overlooked the garbage dump. That's where Jesus was crucified. Outside the camp. And that day of atonement, what does atonement mean? Atonement means that you are covered. Atonement means to cover. And it's curious, I was reading through some Messianic Jewish teachers this week, and actually the atonement is more significant to us than the Passover. Now, we think the Passover was the ultimate of what spoke about Jesus Christ hanging on the cross, being the Lamb of God for us. No, you have to have the Passover to acknowledge that, but you need to also understand the Day of Atonement. And who was the recipient of the Day of Atonement? It was all the Gentiles out there that this Jesus Christ was crucified outside the camp so that those that look to him receive the covering that is necessary for our sins. And I've shared with you over and over and over again, and when we leave, you're going to remember, oh, that's the preacher that always talked about ghee. What is it? Come on, you know. The lamb! The top part of the Japanese-Chinese character is the lamb. Over who? What? Wade. Me. What did God do in Genesis 3 for the sin of the first erring couple? He covered them with a sacrificed, killed animal to cover their shame and their nakedness. And that kanji speaks volumes of outside the camp. It's for covering. Not for forgiveness, but for covering. What's the difference? The difference is we as Gentiles don't really understand the Passover. Yes, we say it was Jesus as the Passover but it was on the doorposts. But Jesus is hanging on the cross. 
Where is he? Out at the city dump. Outside the camp. God's mercy came to us outside the camp. And so what does the writer here? He is appealing for the church to come together knowing that both the Passover and the Day of Atonement factor in to what the church is all about. We have a place. All of us, Gaijin. We have a place that we are covered. We don't know all that it means and we'll be in wonder the rest of our lives. But in heaven, we're going to understand it all and see it perfectly. And that's what the cross is about. This is how Aaron is to enter the holy place with a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. And he shall take from the congregation of the Israelites two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Aaron is to present the bull for his sin offering and make atonement for himself and his household. Then he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the entrance to the tent of meeting. After Aaron casts lots for the two goats, one for the Lord and one for the scapegoat, he shall present the goat chosen by lot for the Lord and sacrifice it as a sin offering. But the goat chosen by lot to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make purification, sending it into the wilderness as a scapegoat. Aaron shall then slaughter the goat for the sin offering for the people and bring its blood behind the veil. And with its blood, he must do as he did with the bull's blood. He is to sprinkle it against the mercy seat and in front of it. When Aaron has finished purifying the holy place, the tent of meeting, he is to bring forward the live goat. Then he is to lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities and rebellious acts of the Israelites in regard to all their sins. He is to put them on the goat's head and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man appointed for that task. The goat will carry on itself all their iniquities into a solitary place, and the man will release it into the wilderness. That is a fuller picture of what Jesus Christ did for us. In addition to what the Passover is about, that goat, one of them was chosen by Lot. One belonged to the Lord and was sacrificed, not eaten, but burned outside the camp. The other was led out to the wilderness and let go into the world, the dangerous world. And that goat is a representative, I believe, of us Gaijin, us who are not Jewish, but every man, woman, and child, whether Jewish or Gentile, is seen in that picture of what Jesus did for us. He went outside the camp. And what we have in terms of the admonition by the Hebrews writer, he says, the bull for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering whose blood was brought into the most holy place to make atonement must be taken 
outside the camp and their hides, flesh, and dung must be burned up. The admonition of uh, the writer is that we need to bear his disgrace. The Day of Atonement. Read that chapter this week and understand what it, it is about. Jesus suffered outside the gate. And he says, Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have a permanent city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. This is not our home. This is not where we belong. We belong as part of the holy city. And what Kent read to us out of Revelation, that's what we're looking for. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. And that is where we are as believers, whether Jew or Gentile. We stand in the act of Jesus Christ, similar to this goat that goes out and wanders in the wilderness. The sacrifice has already been made. And yet there's a life to live until he comes back and gathers us to himself. This is the message of salvation for all of us, that we stand in that place of God's broad salvation. Anyone who believes will receive eternal life. That is the message that we bring to the world. We don't have to jump through a lot of hoops. We have to recognize who it is that represents us before the Father. Whether it's the Passover lamb or the Day of Atonement. Very unique ceremonies. Very unique descriptions of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Brings that together for us. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you that with this we will go outside the camp. We don't have to prove ourselves to be a Jew or a law keeper except for the fact that we follow Jesus Christ, the one who carried away our sins. We thank you for John the Baptist who said, Look, behold, the Lamb of God that carries away the sin of the world. Thank you for carrying away our sins. Thank you for bringing us to the Father. Thank you now for this time that we have of communion. We pray your blessing. Allow us to enter with with joy and with wonder with understanding that what we participate in communion this morning is to your honor, your glory, to what you have done for us, the breadth of your salvation is incredible, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.